Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good job creeping us out, Dustin. (laughs) Surfing will never be the same. (laughs) Good to see everybody, and we are in a series in the book of Jonah over in the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah is what they call one of the minor prophets. It doesn't mean that he was like minor in the fact that he has uh, less to offer. It's minor in the fact that there's like, I think, only 83 verses in this whole book. So it's minor in scope as far as his pages or verses, but it's not minor in impact. You have in the Bible the major prophets, which are huge books, and you have the minor prophets, which are the smaller books. So Jonah happens to be one of the minor prophets. Jonah, um, very interesting character, as we found out last week. Uh, I want to say this, too, as a preface to jumping into this Old Testament book. The reason we work so hard here at the Vineyard in the Scripture is to mind, to mine it, to take it from where it was in the ancient world, to dig it out of its context, and to bridge the gap over to our world. And in order to do that, we have to do some work. We have to go back. We have to understand what was going on, the language, different things in order to really get the most out of it. Uh, and uh, maybe sometimes you think, well, I don't know why God just didn't do it now. Why didn't he wait to right now and just show up and do all these miraculous things? But you, you see, he did it in his perfect time. That's what the scripture says. At the perfect time, God did everything that he was supposed to do to get our attention. For 2,000 years, just celebrated Easter, things have been just zooming for Jesus. I mean, people coming to know him, you know, like you, like me, millions of people around the world. God spoke into a particular context to a particular people at a particular time in a situation, particular situations, but with truths for his people for all time. So we jump into it to to go back and also to bring it forward, and that's what we're doing with Jonah. The story of Jonah, he's a prophet. We know very little other than the fact that uh, he was a prophet to Israel in 2 Kings 14. We find out that he prophesied over a king, Jeroboam, who was a real king to Israel. Uh, He told Jeroboam, he said, you're going to get back all the land that was taken from you. And sure enough, Israel got the land back. And uh, also Jesus in Matthew and in Luke spoke of Jonah saying that, uh, you know, three days in in the fish, three days in the whale was like a sign of Jesus three days in the ground. We also know that uh, his preaching repentance, that there is a... There's a beauty to that. Jesus doesn't speak condescendingly of Jonah, even though his story is really interesting, as we're going to find out. And uh, he speaks well of him in the example of the Ninevites who responded to the message that Jonah had. So, just quick, last week we learned that God will sometimes ask you to do things you don't want to do. Have you found that out yet? That was kind of one of the major themes of the first chapter of Jonah. Jonah was like, God said, I want you to go to these people, these people who are the most brutal people on earth. And I kind of grossed you guys out in an R-rated section of 
what the uh, Assyrians were like during this period of time, it's just unbelievable. There's nothing more going on in the world right now that's any more brutal than what the Assyrians did to the Israelites and to the people when they would come and ravage the land. So Jonah looks at that and he goes, I don't want to go to these people. Now, I, don't know, I don't think he was afraid of them. I don't think that's why, because prophets were pretty well known for getting in your face. They, you know, they, didn't, they didn't care what you think. They would go tell you. I think there's more going on with Jonah. But God asked, actually did ask him to do something he did not want to do. Just like when we unpacked it last week, God does that to us many times. Some of you in here this morning, God has spoken to you something, something to do, and, and it's still sitting on hold. You're, you're holding on to it. You haven't done it yet. And, uh, and so Jonah says, not only am I not going to do it, I am going to run from the voice. I'm going to run from the God that I'm the prophet for. I'm going to get away as far as I can. So he goes down to the sea, jumps on the boat. God tells him to go this way. And what does he do? He goes the opposite way, 2,500 miles. He wants to get up to Spain, about as far as the known world was, so he could get away from the temple and get away from God, get away from God calling him to go to Nineveh and to preach repentance to them. And, of course, what happens? He gets on the boat. The sea kicks up. And, uh, you know, this is an epic book in many ways. It's a short book, but the word great is used 15 times in this little book. So this is a great book. It is a great story full of great lessons. And uh, these Ninevites, this huge city, 60 miles around with an eight-mile circumference in the middle that had a huge wall that would protect them. Uh, These Ninevites, these Assyrians and that. Here's something that I did not know until this past week as I'm digging along is that these folks worshipped a, a fish god. Now, do you catch some of the irony in this? They, they worshipped a fish god named Nenu. And, uh, and from Ea, it was like the daughter of the freshwater fish god. And then there was another god that they, they worshipped called Dagon. And I think we have a picture there, an ancient picture there. It's a, a man's face and a fish body. Now, isn't it just like God to use a fish with the reluctant prophet? Like, hey, I'm going to send you to the people who worship a fish god. Let me tell you who controls the fish around here. (laughs) I'm going to give you a ride, Jonah, just so you know. Remember the seas? At one point, finally, you know, Jonah finally says, when when the sailors on the boat, they say, hey, where are you from? Who are you? What god do you serve? It's these five questions they just pepper him with. You know, he finally says, "I, I worship the Hebrew god. I worship the god maker of the sea and the land. And here he is trying to take the sea to another land <laughs> that, his, that his maker actually makes. A bit futile, don't you think? And, uh, and so I, I think it is, it's, I tell you guys this all the time, that there is, is such beauty. After all, you know, over almost 45 years now, it's like yeah, there's still more to learn and there's more aha moments in the scripture when you realize how God synchronizes the beauty of history and archaeology and even the thing like Dagon with the fish god and, and that he uses a fish uh, to get his prophet over there. Can you imagine that if the Assyrians are, some of them are on the shore and all of a sudden this big fish comes up and just hurls the prophet, you know, you know, and here's the prophet stands up out of the fish and they're like, man, we worship, hey, that's a god we've never seen. Wait a minute, he's throwing up people now, you know. <laughs> oh, you know. 
I mean, God is trying to let Jonah know as well. Look, I am indeed, as you said, the God of the seas, the God of the land. And these people don't know their left hand from their right hand. They're actually worshiping fish, you know, fish gods and all. And I want you to go to them and I want you to warn them. I want you to tell them that they've got 40 days to turn it around to repent. That's it. Go to him and tell him. And he's like, I don't want to. I don't like these people. They kill my people. They have been wreaking vengeance on the Israelites forever. I do not want to go to them. He gets on the boat. And, of course, as we know, found out last week, the sailors finally find out, you know, hey, you're running from God. They turn to God, turn from little g, their idols of God, and they go to, if you read in your Bible, the Lord God, Yahweh God, the God, one and only God, they have a transformation themselves, and they change. They do everything they can to try to save Jonah's life. They row, they throw off all the ballast, they get rid of everything they can, and still the sea's getting worse because God wants Jonah to go do something. So finally Jonah says, throw me in the sea. I can't jump over the side myself, but you can throw me. Throw me in the ocean and everything will calm down. They throw him in, the ocean lays down. And as he's sinking, we begin to read these words. We're going to be over in Jonah, the second chapter today, as we make our way through this. Um, it'll be up on the screens. It's there. I'm going to read it. I'm going to take the hot rod for a spin, the written word here, and uh, which I love. Here we go. Ready? Man. Jonah 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me deep, you hurled me into the depths, and to the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Remember, he's running from the temple. You're going to see this refrain over and over again to get back to where he can hear God's voice again. Toward your holy temple, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. How's that for a picture? To the roots of the mountains I sank down, right down to where they'd come out of the ocean floor. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. Another beautiful picture in the Hebrew, barred in, and that is the sandbars, right? But played off of jail bars. And that is as he's on the bottom of the ocean and he sees the sand rolling like this, he says, this is my prison now, sandbars. I'm barred in, barred in. To the roots of the mountain I sank in deep, the earth beneath me. Barred me in forever. For you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish... And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Father, we ask that you would indeed breathe fresh life on your word for us this morning. Uh, help us understand, God. Uh, bring uh, your spirit to bear to our hearts. Today, I believe there are going to be those who will stand and say to you that today is the day that they begin to follow you into 
their purpose for their life, their mission, their call, like Jonah was called, and mission, Lord, you have a call for all of us in different areas of life. Lord, I believe there are those who will stand today and say, hey, you have spoken a word to me, and I haven't moved yet, but I'm going to. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you, and we say, come and speak to us, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you got to fill in on the back of your handout if you want to track along. I do this every week. It kind of it's kind of like a leash to a surfboard for me. It keeps me leashed to the board so I don't wander off too far in streams of consciousness. And so, your first one is this. This what I what I I really think that we're going to see today is almost a progression, almost a progression in the scriptures of uh, where God wants to take Jonah. So we're going to go on a ride with him. And try to learn along with him. And your first fill-in is this. Is that, uh, you know, a good time to pray is when things are really bad. That's a good time to pray. That's a good time to pray just like in verses 1 through 6. A good time to pray is when things are really bad. I have had people tell me at times, they, like, I, I, I'm like, have you prayed about this? Have you really, have you gotten along with God? Or had other people pray about this situation? And some people will go, well, you know, I haven't even prayed with God when times were good. I don't feel like I could pray, talk to him when it's just bad. It's just like going to him for stuff all the time. I, you, I, don't you think I should have fellowship with him and not just go to him when I'm in need? Look, God's okay with that, all right? He's okay with you coming to him when times are tough. He wants you to come to him. That's what he wants. He wants you to speak to him. Remember in Acts 17, we mentioned this last week, Paul's talking to some people who don't know God. They're as dumb as a rock when it comes. Well, actually, a rock knows more than these people did about God because the rocks will cry out if we don't, the Bible says. So they, they were dumber than rocks. And about knowing about God and, and these philosophers really smart in many ways. And, and Paul told them there in, in the Areopolis, he says, God is not far from any of us. God is not far from any of us. And when you're in a bad position, in a bad place, just like Jonah was, it's good. I have a feeling God was just waiting like Jonah. Seriously, it takes a fish now. I mean, you know, that's, you know, this is the first time we see him pray right now. He hasn't prayed yet. First time. A bad place is a good time to pray. I mean, if you're in a place this morning, I mean, you could be deep down in finances. You're in a troubled spot. You may have relational problems, maybe a marriage problem, a business problem, a health issue, or something that you're in it all by yourself. The waters are dark and you just don't know what to do. And you're just, you, know, you just need to just say, God, this is, I got the seaweed wrapped around my neck. You know, the bars are hemmed in on me. I feel like I'm in jail right now. I don't, I don't know how to get out of this place that I'm in. I don't, if, Matter of fact, if you don't come, I don't know what's going to happen. If you don't show up, it, it's a good time. It's not a bad time. It's not a bad time to ask for God to come. There's also a play on in words, a beautiful picture when he says that he uh, has been uh, sunken down to the depths. And there is a travailing in this, in this phrasing, the word Sarah, you know, in here, of it being a womb. And it's a womb, it's, it's a place of travail, like about to have a birth. And yet he also tags that with saying that, you know, also there is a depth or a death to this. And he uses the word Sheol. Some of you may probably remember if you did some studies, Sheol is like the place where the dead folks went in the Old Testament. That's where they would go. And so he is saying in this beautiful picture that 
God has him in a womb of almost death. But since he's in a womb, it could, there's still a possibility of a rebirth. There's still a chance. I'm hemmed in. I'm hemmed in by the bars of this deep ocean. I'm in this fish now. I'm in this womb. It's dark. It's stinky. It's, you know, and it's like, what's going to happen to me? But there's an opportunity because I am in this position that God could birth me out. So there's that little bit in this Hebrew description of this, of, of where he is. Beautiful. Just, just beautiful. And, uh, and so he's, he's in a bad place. I mean, I don't think it gets much worse than this, huh? Inside of a fish? Really? That's bad. And so wherever you are this morning, if you're in the depths, and again, if you're hemmed in, you are still here. You're here. You're still alive in the womb. Right here. And there could be a rebirthing coming. I don't know, but it's the time to call out and to say to God, you know, in my depth, in the depth of my sorrow, in the depth of me not knowing how I'm going to get out of here, I call on you, God. Because you're the one who brings the birth and brings the rebirthing. So it's a beautiful time, really, for you to call out to God this morning. Here among friends, it's, it's okay. It's all right. There are prayer teams after church today that will be available, too. And we're going to pray before we're out of here in just a bit and, uh, and pray for one another as well. And so it's not a bad time to pray when you're in, you know, a bad time. It's a good time to pray when you're experiencing bad things. And your second one is this. And these, this is verses 7 through 8 is that as it was a good time to pray when things are bad, it's a good time to listen when you pray. It's a good time to listen when you pray. And um, I don't know if you've ever listened to yourself pray before. Some of you, some of you listen the wrong way. Some of you listen and go, man, I, 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 I'm a terrible prayer. I've had people tell me that before. They're like, I don't know the words. Can I tell you something? There are no magic words in prayer. You know, there is no magic word. The word is your heart to God. Your, you wouldn't believe some of the prayers I've heard people pray. Very colorful to God. Very creative. I don't know if they use those words in the beginning of time or not. But these were very creative, colorful words. And I'm just looking at the person like this, you know, and I'm, they look at me. I'm like, no, go. Go ahead. You know, use whatever language you have. Use it, you know, just uh, because the heart is broken open and suddenly the heart is pouring out. And, and, and they pray. It's your voice that God loves to hear. He wants to hear. But I think also in Jonah's situation, and there's so much of Jonah in us that we can learn some things as well in these moments. Because if you look through Jonah, the way he's praying... Ten times in eight verses, he uses the word I. I, 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 I. Matter of fact, 12% of the time in this book, there are personal pronouns used. 12% of the time. Now, that's twice as many in the whole group of Psalms. I mean, there's twice as many on a percentage level in this one book. Jonah was kind of focused in on who? That's right. He was really, now, he wasn't a mess. No doubt about it. But what was God trying to get him to do? Trying to get him to fulfill the call, the mission that he was on, right? He's still missing that. Now it's me. I'm, I'm hung up. What? You know, what's going on? Uh, 
told the first service, I left it over here, my journal, I said, I journal, and I don't journal every day. I might not even journal every month, but when I feel like God is saying things or I'm going through something, I'll start writing it down. If I hear one of you guys say something that I feel like could be God speaking to me, I write it down, and I hold on to it, and I read it, and and uh, whoever I hear, wherever I hear, I heard a jazz musician two, uh, yesterday say something that just was like, with the economy of words, it, it said more to me than some people write in paragraphs. And I had to write it down in my journal because I said, that's the way I feel, just what he said right there in just like five words. And so I write these things down and I write my prayers down. And when I've gone through tough times, I have journaled a lot through some tough times, which at one time lasted for a few years. And so I'm trying to dig out. I'm trying to dig out of this place in my life. And, and so I finally, I, brilliant me, you know, finally decide, let me get all my journals for the last few years out. So I grabbed them all out of, the, out of the box. I sat them down and I started reading through them. And I just, I said, you know what? You know who the topic of these journals are? Me. You know, and it was like, it was like me, me, oh, me. How am I going to get out of this? You suck. You know, all the time talking about me, 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 me. You know, you can't do this. You can't get that done. You can't. It's over and over and over. And I thought, no wonder I'm on this cycle of just like saying this stuff to me, about me, about me. And so I took them and I got rid of them, years of them. And I started another track. Because you know that stuff messes with your head. You keep reading stuff that you write about yourself over and over and over again that is not from God and not good, it will rewire your brain. But just the opposite is true too. You start listening to what God says and you start doing what he says and you start reading it and you start putting the scripture in first person for you and you start saying that and, man, all of a sudden there are chemicals firing, there are things going on and things change for you. And I think Jonah, Jonah's trying to get there, you know, but he's not listening to himself pray. It's like me. Where is he? He never mentions the sailors in here. The sailors, you know what they did? They came to God in the midst of all of this. These sailors threw away cargo that they were responsible for to get over to to Tarshish, to Spain. They took it and dumped it overboard for him to try to save his life. They rowed towards shore for how long we don't know, but long enough that they almost sank before they threw. They did everything they could to try to save his life without throwing him overboard. But does he mention them? No, me, I, me, me. He never even mentions them one single time. And so when you're in a bad place, pray, man, pour it out to God. But at some moment and at some time, start listening. Because it could be the prayers you are praying are keeping you right where you are. So you listen, you read, and you say, you know, the whole purpose of God in this book is to get Jonah to go give some good news to some people. Your purpose in life is to get some good news to some people. That is your purpose, Christian, Jesus follower. It is your mission. It is your call. And and that includes if you're a business, great, you're to be a wonderful business owner and you're to be a light and an example of a Christian to the world so that you can bring the light of Christ and what it looks like. What would it look like if you ran a business in the kingdom to come? What would it look like if you owned a business when Jesus ruled and reigned completely on the earth, which he's going to do one day? We don't know there won't be businesses. We don't know. It's going to be a cool place with lots of things to do. I believe that. 
And so now we get started now. What does your marriage, what is this supposed to look like? What is your business supposed to look like? What are your relationships supposed to look like? You single person, as you're in school, as you're making your way, what would it look like for the kingdom of God to be fully, fully in your life in such a way that the King Jesus rules and reigns? That is your call and your pleasure to be able to live like that. That is what God is after. That's what he's after in Jonah. You're my prophet. I've got a word. I gave it to you. I want you to go send it. So he's after him. Well, how's it feel to have God after you? You know, he is after you. He's after you. Yes, he is. He's a loving God, you know. He loves you, but he is very much after you. He sent his son to die for you. How's that for wanting you and caring about you? And so Jonah... John is not listening. He's not taking an inventory. And it's a good thing to, to do that and um, to, to take a look. He even mentions, notice uh, around verse 8, he says, uh, he mentions this, those who will cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. Listen to this phrasing. Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Who's he talking about? Those who cling to idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You know what I think? And I read a, two or three commentaries on I think he's talking about the Ninevites, the Assyrians. It's a way of looking to God and going, okay, I'm going to go, but these people are idol worshipers. And you know what? They should forfeit the grace of God. I think he's still trying to get God to kind of come around and go, you know, you really need to smite them. You don't need to give them a chance, God. Because that is a big question. That is how, how do we treat and how does God treat the wicked when they repent? What does God do with the evil, wicked people of this world if they indeed do turn to him? What, do, what does God do with them? And that Jonah doesn't like what he's hearing. You know, he knows where this may be going. And so I think if he had listened to himself, he'd just stopped and listened to how he was praying. And I think we can do the same thing. I know it was a, it was a life-changing moment for me when I finally saw how my prayers were so centered around me. And that I finally realized that if I could just get the focus back out and start seeing the beauty of life and start seeing that uh, there was so much that God had called me to be involved in and that this calling of life, of being a dad, a, a husband, a granddad, even that, you know, someone who loves the ocean, loves this area, that there is calling and mission and all of that for my life to give of ourselves for the benefit of the kingdom of God, that there is purpose and beauty in that. And so, you know what? A bad time is a good time to pray. A good time to listen is when we pray. And your third one is this. A good time to, is, to obey is when we finished praying. <laughs> a good time to obey is when we finished praying. This is really interesting in this story. How long did it take the sailors to, uh, to obey? How long did it take the fish to obey? How long did it take Jonah to obey? <laughs> I mean, the sailors, you know, once they saw who the God was that Jonah was serving, they repented and went from their idol God straight to Yahweh, to Lord God. The fish, the minute that he said, that I'm going to go preach that salvation is the Lord's, the fish, bloop, right out, immediately. Sometimes we respond with this. When somebody asks you to do something, do you do this? Well, I'll pray about it. Being interpreted means I will forget it after I walk off, <laughs> right? 
I mean, that's what a lot of us do. That's why around here we try to encourage each other that if you hear something that needs to be prayed about, you do it then, right at that moment. Don't wait till later. Someone tells you something and, and you feel like they, want, they need prayer, do it. Pray it right there. Just a simple prayer. Something lavish like, God, help them. That's great. <laughs> I mean, that is a wonderful prayer. God, help them. Jesus, would you show how much you love them? Would you touch them? Just something like that. And many times when somebody invites us into something that God is doing and we know he's invited us in, we don't want to do it. And so we'll go, I'll pray about it. And we never pray about it. We just don't want to do it. And so there is a time when you quit praying and you start doing. Does that sound blasphemous? Probably it's not. Okay, because you don't get anything done if you don't. <laughs> there is a time, like the Jesuits used to say, you live with one foot raised, ready to go. You're praying, you're praying on one foot. Okay, God, tell me, because I'm ready. I mean, that's a great way to live. Okay, Lord, I'm shaking now. How many of you can stand like this for so long? Let's see. <laughs> Living with one foot raised, ready to go. There's time to pray. There's a time uh, to do. There is a time to finally say, okay, I get it. I get it, Lord. I get it. How long will it take the Assyrians? We're going to find out. How long is it going to take the Assyrians? Are they going to? Have you, any of you read the end of this story yet? Don't tell, don't tell anybody what the end of it is, okay? <laughs> I told you it's a short book now, but, but hey, if you don't want to read it, hold on. It's coming. You know, we got two more weeks in this. Next week's the third chapter. And all, but how long is it going to take the Assyrians, or will they respond to this? But Jonah, he drags his feet right up to the last minute. Let's don't do that. You know, this morning, right now, I know that in your hearts, there are many in this room right now, God has called you to do something. He has spoken to you. And you've been asked to participate in something that is God, something that you know is wonderful and would benefit the kingdom. And, and you've just been holding back. You've been holding back. And I'm going to ask you in just a minute to stand and to say, that's me. God, that's me. But I'm standing now to say, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I am going to take a step toward that. And I'm going to ask some of you in just a moment to stand because your step of faith is that first step of faith in responding to that call like those sailors did. When they finally realized it was the Lord God of the sea and of the land and of the fish. I mean, God is putting his power on display in this prophet life that he owns it all every bit of it and he makes it work together for the good of his purposes and he does that in us too so let's pray we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from seacoast vineyard church in myrtle beach south carolina we look forward to you joining us next time on itunes or at our website www.seacoastvineyard.com